Welcome to the Freedom House Church Weekend Message. Today, you'll be hearing an exciting message from a communicator on our teaching team. Whether you're just waking up, on your way to work, or going for a relaxing evening walk, we know this message will equip you to experience Christ's freedom today and every day. So enjoy. Freedom House. It is great to be here with you guys today. I want to welcome uh, everyone that's joining with us online at our online campus. You guys give it up for them. Uh, We've got people joining us in Ohio, Illinois, uh, Maryland, South Carolina, New York, uh, Wisconsin, Virginia. We are so glad you are with us today. So welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Olin Carter, and I get to serve here on our teaching team. And something that's very unique about our church is um, we have multiple campuses, but we have a live communicator at each and every campus. And you guys know me. Every, every time I get up here, I always want to give honor to our senior pastors, Troy and Penny Maxwell. But today is something special because somebody's having a birthday. Somebody's having a birthday. And listen, I want to do something. Now, I'm not good at this. So y'all got to work with me here. But I want a video. Here we go. All right, so listen, Pastor Penny is having a birthday. So I want you guys to stand on your feet. And I'm gonna, we're going to send this to Pastor Penny. And I'm going to count to three. One, two, three. And you guys say, happy birthday, Pastor Penny. You guys ready? Yeah. All right, here we go. One, two, three. Happy birthday, Pastor Penny. Awesome. Woo! Thank you guys so much. I know that will mean the world to her. We love our pastors very, very much. So, We're going to jump right into the Word of God today. We're in this new series called Stranger Stories. How many of you like that bumper? It's pretty cool, isn't it? It's like, it's creepy, right? You know, I feel like maybe when I get up here, we should just leave the lights down low and I'll preach, you know, we'll have a little fire up here or something. Uh, Make make it uh, like a campfire. But um, I've got something uh, I think really good for you today, and this is one of the strangest stories in the Bible. And it's a story that I think a lot of times Christians don't understand. This is a story that I have, I've been in church since I I think I was born in church. I've been, I've I've heard like 8,750,000 sermons in my life. I don't know that I've ever heard one. I haven't heard very many on this story. And so today we're going to talk about the man who wrestled with God. The man who wrestled 
with God. And so if you have your Bibles today, if you have your iPhones, whatever it is, open your Bible app up. We're going we're gonna to start reading today in Genesis chapter 32. Genesis chapter 32. We're going to start off in verse 24. And it says, And Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Everybody say, ouch. That hurts. Then he said, let me go, for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. But he said, "Mm -mm. your name shall no longer be called Jacob. But Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered The sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. Now, this has to be one of the the strangest stories in the Bible. A few quick points you can pull out of this story that really illustrate how weird it really is, is this man Jacob wrestles all night with the mysterious man. Where did this man come from? Can you imagine being around a campfire and all of a sudden, some guy's on top of you and you're wrestling my dad used to have this trick. We'd go camping, and he'd be walking around the campfire, and, and we'd just be telling stories and stuff. And he would pull out of his pocket some shotgun shells, and he would just be rattling the shotgun shells around in his hand like this. You know, we're just telling stories. And he would do this, and I knew it was coming because I'd seen him do it before, but he'd have a new friend there. And he'd have the shotgun shells in his hand just kind of moving them around. All of a sudden, he would just throw them in the fire and go, run! Like that. <laughs> they weren't live. Everybody relax. But how many of you know that will wake you up in the morning? Amen? So this man jumps on Jacob. They're wrestling all night. Jacob finds out during the fight that this man is actually God. And God says, this is the weirdest part, God says, Jacob won the fight. (laughs) So a man wrestles with God. God says the man won the fight. So what is God trying to tell us in this story? Well, I think first of all, we need to understand who is Jacob. What is Jacob's story in the Bible? I think Jacob is one of the the greatest Old Testament characters that we can learn from and identify with as Christians today. Jacob was the son of Isaac, who was the son of Abraham, who was the father of the Jewish people. And really, many times in the Bible, Abraham is called the father of faith. You ever heard that before? Abraham, the father of of faith. And many times in Scripture, God reveals himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, that's weird all in of itself. Can you imagine if God revealed himself as the God of insert your name? I'm the God of Matt. I'm the God of Adam. I'm the God. (laughs) That'd be kind of crazy, wouldn't it? That's a lot of pressure to live up to. That's a lot of pressure to live up to, but God refers to himself. God identifies himself to us as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, why would the God of the universe describe himself as the God of these three individual men? I believe it is because God wants us to see him as the God of the promise. 
God wants us to see him. God wants us to relate to him as the God of the promise. And for there to be a promise given, there has to be somebody the promise goes to, right? Now, listen, I believe that every single thing in our lives hinge on this view. If you're taking notes today, this is the time you want to write a few things down. Because if you don't get this, your life will be a struggle. If you don't understand how to view and relate to God properly, your whole life will be a struggle. You see, when we relate to God as the God of the promise, we understand through Abraham's story and through the the story of his family, we understand that God initiates the promise. See, many times we think we have to get God involved in our life. We, we think that, man, I've got to go to God because I'm just little old me and God's not paying any attention to me. God doesn't want to have anything to do with me. I've got to beg God to bless me. I've got to beg God to be interested in me. And what Abraham's story teaches us is that God is the one who actually initiates a relationship with us. Abraham didn't go to God. God came to Abraham and he says, hey, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. God initiates the relationship. Number two, we see that God has a plan for our life. If you don't believe that God has a plan for your life, man, you'll get into some trouble, amen? You'll get off doing some things that you probably shouldn't do, and God tells Abraham, hey, man, you got to leave. you got to get away from this country. you got to go on this journey that I have for you. God has a plan for your life. And lastly, we see that receiving a promise we can't see, we can't hold, we can't touch, it requires us to live a life by faith. See, if we relate to God as the God of the promise, it changes everything about how we live. And make no mistake, God always makes promises that will require faith to receive. If right now you're successful in life, you might have a beautiful family, you might be doing well in your business, you might have money to spare, things might, you might be healthy, you might be having a great time, but if your life and what you're all about doesn't require any faith, You're not living in the promise. You're not living in the promise if it doesn't require any faith. Whatever it is that God wants to do in and through your life is going to require some faith. So God makes this promise to Abraham, but there's a big problem. Because if you know the story of Abraham, God comes to Abraham and he says, Man, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make a great nation through your your children, through your offspring. I'm going to make this great nation, and through you and through this great nation, I'm going to bless all the peoples of the world. And Abraham's like, okay, that's awesome. But God, I don't know if you were paying attention. I don't have any kids. See, Abraham was old, and Sarah was barren. So there were no kids involved. And he's like, well, God, I I believe you. I received the promise, but how's this going to work? How's this going to work out when I don't have any kids? And so God picks Abraham. Why? Because God wants Abraham to have to depend on him. And so God does a miracle. Abraham, through Sarah, um, has Isaac. Isaac is the child of the promise. And then Isaac... God does the same thing. He comes to Isaac and he says, man, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to have this great nation through you. I'm going to bless all the earth through you. And then Isaac doesn't have any kids. He's married for 20 years and his wife can't have any children. Man, why doesn't God ever just make life easy? You ever wonder about that? Doesn't it feel like sometimes every time you get over one hurdle, 
You pass one level of challenge. It's like life just seems to get harder each step, each area. Every time I, I move forward in life, life just seems to get more and more difficult. See, we don't want it to go that way. See, I, I expect my life to get exponentially easier the older I get, right? That's the American dream. Amen. Glory to God, right? We all like that one. Like, yes, I should have more money, less problems, right? Like everything should work out. But life seems to work in the reverse. And so God's doing these miracles. God, God does one miracle after another miracle after another miracle. But every step of the plan, there's a problem. Why is there a problem? Because God in every season of your life wants you to have to depend on him. See, if life just got easier and easier, slowly but surely, we all do it. We just stop trusting in God. And we just start taking care of things ourselves. And so God sets things up this way. And Isaac, they don't have any children. So Isaac goes to God. He prays. And he says, God, man, I, man help my wife. Bless my, she's barren and we don't have any children. And you gave us this promise. And so God does another miracle. Isaac's 60 years old. Rebecca gets pregnant, and we pick this up, and this is where the Bible starts out with the story of the character we're talking about today, Jacob, this man that wrestled with God. And so turn with me. This is Genesis chapter 25. Genesis chapter 25, verse 22. It says, the babies jostled each other within her. Now, if you can underline it in your Bible or highlight it, highlight that jostled each other within her. And she said, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord. Verse 23 says, The Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you shall be separated. One people will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. Now, there's two important things that we can pull out of this passage right off the bat. Number one, the babies jostled inside of her. What are we talking about today? We're talking about the man who wrestled with God, right? Everybody say it with me. The man who wrestled with God. Listen, the man who wrestled with God was wrestling his brother in the womb. Before he even came out, this kid was fighting. He wanted to wrestle. He wanted to fight. This is the story of Jacob. He is a wrestler from the start. The second thing that we notice in this passage is that God gives a prophecy to Rebekah saying, hey, the older will serve the younger. Now, this sets up our entire story because in that day and age, that was never supposed to happen. It was never supposed to be the older serving the younger because in that tradition, the firstborn son got everything. The firstborn son was going to get a double portion. The firstborn son was going to get the blessing of the father. The firstborn son was going to carry on the lineage. So this promise that came to God, that went to Abraham, that went to Isaac should go to the firstborn. But God says, no, it's not going to work out like that. And so Rebekah gives birth. She has twin boys. The firstborn was named Esau because he was hairy. And I just want to stop right there for a minute. How hairy do you have to be for the Bible to mention that? I mean, for you to come out of the womb... <laughs> And Holy Scripture is used to record the fact that you are hairy. <laughs> Something's going on, right? I mean, this kid was hairy. Basically, his name signifies he was rough and he was tough. And his name was Esau. The second to come out 
was the, the man we're talking about today, the man who wrestled with God. The second to come out was Jacob. And the Bible tells us that he literally came out of the womb grasping Esau's heel. That coming out of the womb, he wouldn't let go of the fight. He's like, I ain't done, mama. This match ain't over yet. Bring it back in here. All right? I, I, I ain't won yet. It also tells us that he didn't want Esau to come out first. He wanted to come out first. Even in the womb, he wasn't satisfied with the position he had. He said, no, no, no. He ain't going to be number one. He's not going to be top dog. I'm going to be top dog. I'm going to jerk that sucker back in here, and I'm going to be the first baby out of here. I want to be number one, right? And that shows us the nature of Jacob. Jacob's name literally means supplanter or heel catcher. It meant deceiver, trickster. He was trying to supplant the rightful place of his brother Esau, who was really the firstborn. Jacob wants to supplant. He wants to pull down Esau because I want to be in charge. I want to be the first one. Now listen, names today don't mean a whole lot. When you tell somebody your name is John, what does that really tell them about y'all? Not a whole lot, right? See, y'all didn't know. Most of y'all know my name is Olin. Y'all didn't know it means flowing locks of hair. Y'all know that. But see, in our culture, if I had to go to every single person I met and shake their hand and say, hello, I am flowing locks of hair, how many of you know life would be a lot more difficult for me, right? <laughs> I mean, life's hard enough. Right? You, he's with me. This guy right here, he's like, amen, brother. Hey, he's with me. Brad's with me. Amen. There's a brotherhood. But life would be a lot harder. And think about that. What if you had to go through life and you had to identify yourself to each and every person you're, you met by your character flaws. What if you had to leave out of here today and you had to introduce yourself to a new person and say, hello, my name is Gossip. You probably shouldn't trust me. <laughs> hello, my name is Bitter. I can't get over it. <laughs> hey, thank you for the interview, sir. My name's Lazy. I go at my last job. Looking forward to working here. Right? That, how many of you know that would make life a little bit tough? But listen, Jacob had to go through life and he had to identify himself to every person he met with the thing he hated most. He was second fiddle. And the Bible tells us that Esau was this rough, tough, skilled hunter, manly man. He was the guy who shops at Outdoor World. Amen? Reminds me a lot of myself. He was skilled with the bow. He would go out and kill wild game. I mean, and the Bible says he was his father's favorite. And how many of you know that does something to a young man? You know when you're not your father's favorite. And Jacob was not his father's favorite. And so every time he talks to somebody, he has to say, hey, I'm the supplanter. Hey, I'm the heel catcher. Hey, I'm a deceiver. Every time he introduced himself to someone, he had to reveal the thing that hurt him the most. Imagine how jaded you would be if every day the, the thing that brought the most pain to you just rubbed in your face. If you had to announce yourself when you walked in the room as the thing that brought you the most pain. Man, that'd make you a rascal, wouldn't it? That just you, you get a little get a little testy, wouldn't you? And see, we see that in Jacob. Jacob is known in the script in the scriptures as the trickster. Because Jacob got fed up with it. 
And so Jacob didn't see a way for this to change. He didn't see it. He, he just frustrated with life. Ever been frustrated with life? Amen. I've been frustrated before. And sometimes when we get frustrated with life because we don't see how exactly God's going to work things out for me, we take matters into our own hands. See, when we can't see how God will work things out, you know what? We'll try to help God out. And so Jacob enters this phase of life, and this is the phase of life, if you're taking notes today, I would call this the God's promise my way phase. I want good things. And see, we think sin is murder and stealing. Listen, what the Bible tells us is sin is anything that's not a faith. When we try to produce good things our way, it's sin. Most of us go through life and our sin. Most people don't go around as axe murderers, right? There aren't that many people in prison, right? But sin in the world's messed up because we want genuinely good things that God has for us, but we're not patient enough for God to give them to us His way. So we get our hands involved. And look here in Genesis chapter 25, in verse 29, it says, Once when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stew, for I am exhausted. Therefore, his name is called Edom. Jacob said, sell me your birthright now. Esau said, I'm about to die. Of what use is a birthright to me? Basically, he said, birthright, schmirthright, man. Give me the stew. I'm about to fall out of my chair. Jacob said, no, 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 no. Here's the stew, but swear it to me right now. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Now, I don't know if y'all caught what just happened there. That was not a good deal, right? Selling your birthright for a cup of stew and some bread, not a good deal. Because the firstborn son was going to get a double portion of the inheritance. So Jacob, rushing the plan of God, because God had already prophesied, right, that the older is going to serve the younger, but Jacob can't wait on God. Jacob says, you know what, I'm going to get involved and I'm going to swindle this out of him myself. I'm going to set him up. I'm going to wait till he comes back. And the Bible says he was in the tents preparing the stew. Don't think that Jacob was caught by surprise. No, he saw this coming and he was ready because he knew his brother. Now, his brother was partially guilty too, just a... Public service announcement, don't make big decisions when you're that tired and hungry. Amen? Right? Don't do that. That's a bad thing to do. But Jacob takes advantage of the situation. And just like in our lives, when we take advantage, when we manipulate, when we lie, we cheat, we steal, we do things not of faith to get our way. We want that good thing, but we're not patient to get it. We go out, we sin, we start messing our lives up. Here's the big problem. It doesn't satisfy us. So Jacob now has swindled Esau out of his birthright, right? He's the, the man who wrestles. He's trying to usurp. He's trying to pull Esau down. He's stolen his birthright, but that's not enough. That's not enough for Jacob. He's like, I got to have more because how many of you know, even though he got the birthright, it didn't change his name. Everybody he identified himself to. See, he knew, hey, when my dad dies, I'm getting the double portion but hello, my name is Supplanter. He still had to identify with the thing that brought him pain. And so what does he do? He gets together with his mom and he decides he's going to steal the blessing. 
See, the blessing wasn't given with the birthright. That was something separate. And so the father was going to lay hands on one of his sons in this Abrahamic blessing that I'm going to make a great nation of you. I'm going to do all. I'm going to give you this land. The father had to lay his hand on the son's head. And so the father comes to Esau, his favorite, right? And he says, hey, son, go out and kill me some wild game. Cook me up. Grill me something good. Esau was the first grill master. Because the dad said, you know how I like it. That's literally, the Bible says that. He says, you know how I like it. And bring it back because I'm about to die soon and I'm going to bless you. Problem is mom overhears it. Jacob is his mama's favorite. So mama gets involved and she says, hey, Jacob, we're going to pull one over on your dad. So she dresses him up like Esau. She sends him in. Esau, at this point, he's about blind. And so Jacob comes into Esau and he says, hey, dad, it's me. Here's the food. And dad says, who's that? I can't see you. Who, who is that? And he says, it's me, dad. It's, it's Esau. He says, well, you don't sound like Esau. And he says, <coughs> it's Esau, dad. It's me, it's Esau. Is that, a good, is that a good Esau impression? Okay. It's me, dad. It's Esau. And Isaac says, well, come on over here. Let me, let me kiss you. And he smells Esau's clothes. And he says, ah, oh, the smell of the field. That's my boy right there. And he says, all right, I'm going to give you the blessing. And so he lays his hands on him, and he blesses Jacob. Now, this is what happens in our life. When we get involved in God's plan and we mess everything up, there's always a consequence. And so as soon as Jacob walks out the door, the Bible tells us Esau shows back up. This is like a soap opera, isn't it? Esau walks back in the door and he says, Hey, Dad, I got the food. I'm ready for you to bless me. And Isaac's like, well, what, what are you talking about? I, I already gave it to you. I, I, just, I just prayed. And he said, what, what, Dad, I just got home. And he says, No. Oh, I gave the blessing to your brother. And he says, Well, just, just undo it. Just bless me. And he says, It's irrevocable. I can't undo it. And in that moment, Esau makes a vow and he says, I will kill my brother. Jacob is going to die by my hands. I'm going to kill him. So Jacob has to flee for his life. And this is the consequence we see in our life because most people spend their life either running from their past or hiding from their destiny. Most of us mess our lives up so severely that we can't stay and fix it. We can't face it, and so we have to run away. And so Jacob leaves the God's promise my way phase, and he enters the next phase of his life that you're probably very familiar with, and it's the it didn't work out phase. Because once we get involved in God's plan, we try to form our life the way we think it should go. How many of you know inevitably we're always going to mess it up? And so now Jacob has walked into the it didn't work out phase. Now what did this phase of life look like. He didn't want to face his Esau. He didn't want to face his past. So he runs off to his uncle far out of town. And Jacob falls in love. He starts a family. And he even becomes wealthy. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? That doesn't sound so bad. And the problem with the it didn't work out phase is many of us hide out in this phase of life and we can hide out here a long time because things actually look pretty good. See, we mess up the calling, the destiny, the purpose that God has on our life. And so we run away and we just start living. Really, we're not living, we're just existing. Because our life no longer requires faith, 
Now I'm just doing my thing. I just wake up every morning and I just go to work. Jacob went to work every day and God blessed him. He had wives, he had children, he started to accumulate some stuff. For 20 years he served under his uncle Laban and Laban took advantage of Jacob. Jacob was the trickster, but Laban was even more of a trickster than Jacob was. And he took advantage of him. And you know what? You always reap what you have sown. So he's trapped in this period of life where it didn't work out. He's getting bitter. Things look good on the outside, but there's no movement towards his destiny. He's no longer living by faith. He's no longer pursuing the promise. Now he's just clocking in and clocking out. And man, how sad it is to live your life just clocking in and clocking out. And that doesn't mean that everybody has to quit their job and go on the missions field, right? But it means this, your life is meant to have purpose. It's meant to have meaning. It's meant to have direction. It's meant to have momentum. God has called us for a promise. God reveals himself as the God of the promise. I was talking to someone here at the church just the other night, and this person on the outside, very blessed, everything good. You would think this person very successful. And the question that came up in this conversation was, man, I just feel stuck. How do I know God's plan for my life? You see, what's worse than living a life of sickness or heartache or, you know, loss or You can't find a job. All these things are real problems. But the worst thing in the world is to live a life where you're just going through the motions. To get up every day and everything just seems fine, but you've got no purpose in your heart. See, that was me for a long time. See, I was in ministry many, many years ago, and I had some hurts. I had some setbacks. And so I came here to Freedom House, and... I was in the mortgage business, I was married, I started having kids, and everything on the outside looked really, really good. Those of you who knew me at that period of my life wouldn't have thought anything was wrong at all. Olin's great, man, he shows up, he serves, he's happy, everything's good. But on the inside of me, I knew something was missing. I was running because I knew God had a calling on my life to teach God's word, but I didn't want to do it. I was running and I was hiding in the desert. One time we had a strong men's meeting and we had a fire and we took these wooden planks that said strong on them and we had a time of prayer and we were challenged to write on the back of that something we were believing God for, how God was challenging us. And in that time of prayer, God got a hold of me and I did a little wrestling of my own. And on that wooden plank, and I've got it at my home, I could show it to you, I wrote, I'm going to stop running from my gift to teach. Now, in that, I made a couple other declarations. I'm not going to ask to teach. I'm not going to push my own way. I'm just going to open my heart up to God and say, God, I'm tired of existing. I want to start living again. I want to start pursuing what you've called me to do. And God, whatever door you open, I'm going to walk through it. I told one person about this. It was Dave Greco. If you guys know Dave Greco here at the church, Dave Greco, you know if you tell Dave Greco something, he's going to pray. So I told Dave Greco, it was when we were working on this building and there was a trailer out there, and we were doing parking. We walked out behind that trailer, and I told Dave Greco, and he wrote it down, and he said, I got you. I'm going to pray for you. You know, great. That's my Dave Greco impression. I'm going to pray for you. So Dave was agreeing with me, 
I didn't tell anybody else, not even my wife, I didn't tell anybody else but God and Dave Greco. It wasn't a month or two later, Pastor Troy came to me one Sunday and he said, hey, I want you to preach one Sunday. Isn't it amazing how God will open up the door when we change our heart to be willing to obey him? See, we see this here in the life of Jacob. Jacob was burned out. He was frustrated. He was stuck. But all of a sudden, God speaks to Jacob and he says, Hey, I want you to return home. You're going to have to face your past. And let me tell you, I don't care what you've done, where you've come from, no matter what your life story has been, there's a time in your life where you're going to have to face your past. Here's the good thing, you don't have to do it alone. God says, I want you to return home. So Jacob flees from his uncle, he leaves, his uncle chases him, long story, but God saves him. So now he's free, he's free from Laban, but he's returning home to Esau. And here's where we pick up where we started off today. Jacob's going home to meet Esau, he sends some messengers ahead because he's scared to death when Esau gets a hold of him, he's going to kill him. The messengers go on ahead of Jacob. They come back and they say, oh, he's coming. He already knows you're on the way. And Esau is coming and he's got an army of 400 men. Now, Jacob knows what this means. Jacob, the Bible tells us, is terrified. He knows his time is up. He's about to die. So he divides his family into two groups so that if Esau attacks one, one group, maybe the other group can get away. But then Jacob does something different, something he's never done. In all the chapters we read about Jacob's life, he does something for the first time that he's never done. He calls on the God of the promise. For the first time, he goes to God in prayer. And turn with me. This is Genesis chapter 32, verse 9. It says, Then Jacob prayed, O God of my grandfather Abraham, and God of my father Isaac. O Lord, you told me, return to your own land and to your relatives, and you promised me I will treat you kindly. I am not worthy of the unfailing love and faithfulness you have shown to me, your servant. When I left home and crossed the Jordan River, I owned nothing except a walking stick. Now my household fills two large camps. Oh Lord, please rescue me from the hand of my brother Esau. I'm afraid that he is coming to attack me along with my wives and children, but you promise me. I will surely treat you kindly and I will multiply your descendants until they become as numerous as the sands along the seashore. Too many to count. See, Jacob finally calls on the God of the promise. Every time in Jacob's story, we see Jacob swindling. We see Jacob negotiating. We see Jacob bartering. Even one time when God reveals himself to Jacob, Jacob doesn't even say, oh, you're my God. He says, hey, you'll be my God if you take care of me. He's always striking a deal. But this time, he doesn't try to strike a deal because he's got nowhere left to run. And finally, he comes back to God and he says, oh, God of the promise. You made a promise to me, God, and I'm going to call on this promise. We read that during the night, Jacob wakes up because he couldn't sleep. When, when you got somebody, a big guy like Esau, coming to kill you, how many of you know, probably be hard to get sleep that night, right? I mean, sometimes I stay up late when there's something big going on at work the next day. When you got somebody coming to murder you, how many of you know you're probably not going to sleep real good? 
So Jacob wakes up in the middle of the night. He takes his wives. They cross over the Jabbok River, and he sends all his personal belongings ahead. Basically, he's making arrangements because he, know he, he knows he's done. He says, take all the stuff, honey, because I'm probably not coming back. He goes back into the camp, and Jacob is left in the camp alone. And there comes a time in our life when we can't turn to anybody or anything. The only answer is we've got to get alone with God. Maybe you feel stuck right now. Maybe you're afraid right now. Maybe you're terrified of something right now. Don't turn to your friends. Don't, don't Google it. Get alone with Jesus. Sometimes you have to go and get alone. And the Bible says he went back in the camp all alone. And all of a sudden, there's a man in the camp wrestling with Jacob. Now listen, this ain't no little pity patty, you know, just like little uh, uh, you know, kid fighting, playing around kind of fight. He thinks Esau's coming to kill him. He's sitting around a campfire and all of a sudden some big guy jumps on top of him. How many of you know this is a fight to the death? Jacob jumps up, he leaps into action, and he is wrestling with this man. And the Bible tells us that he wrestles with him, with everything he's got, all night long. All night he's wrestling with this man. Now why did God come to Jacob as a wrestler? Because the heel catcher, the, the, the swindler, the cheat, Jacob had been wrestling since before he was born. The only thing Jacob knew how to do was fight. He started out wrestling with Esau in the womb, and he never stopped. And I believe all of us have to wrestle with God one way or another. But here's the thing. There's only one area in which you and I can wrestle with God. There's only one area in which a man can wrestle with the Almighty and not die. It's in the area of your will. When it comes to our will, we can go toe-to-toe with God, and we can wrestle with Him. Because he will never overpower your will. He will never force you to make a decision. He will never force you to submit to his plan for your life. In that area, in the area of your will, you and I can actually wrestle with God. The Bible tells us that he wrestled with him all night. And he wasn't overcome. And here the sequence is very, very important. It says... When Jacob would not stop wrestling and the man saw that he would not prevail against him, the man touched Jacob's hip. The word for that is just a gentle touch. Now, what kind of man can just touch you and shatter your hip? The Bible tells us that he threw his hip out of socket so violently, Jacob never walked the same after that moment. That's real pain. He's fighting with God. He's wrestling with God. And in his will, he will not let God win. And so God touches Jacob's hip. How many of you know that's real agonizing pain? That's the strongest part of your body. God, with just his finger, touches it and throws his hip out of socket. So when Jacob won't stop, the man touches his hip, but now Jacob has a choice. You see, he can no longer fight. The pain is close to unbearable. But after the man touches his hip, after that happens, the man says to him this thing. He says, let me go. And oftentimes in our life, when we're in this wrestling match with God, 
there's always a moment when we wrestle with God that God's going to get the upper hand. When people tell me, oh, I don't believe in God. I've tried all that God stuff. Nah. Now, you've wrestled with God. There was a moment where God got the upper hand because God will always get the upper hand. And in that moment, you have a choice because God will give you the option to let go. God will look you in the eye and he'll say, let me go. Because God doesn't respond to people who are weak of faith and who turn around and go back. All through the scriptures we see stories where God rewards people that are obstinate with their faith. And so God looks at Jacob. He, he throws his hip out of socket. Jacob knows, I can't fight anymore. This guy's going to kill me. And he looks at him and he says, let me go. And Jacob's response says everything. He says, I will not let go until you bless me. See, Jacob decided, I can't fight, but I can cling. I might not be able to fight anymore. I might die, but I'd rather die right here than live another day without God's blessing. I'd rather die right here than live another day stuck in the wilderness, just existing and not living. I'd rather die right here than move on without God. You see, in that moment, Jacob understood that everything he'd been looking for his whole life, that first position, that blessing of his father, that being second fiddle to Esau, he realized in that moment that all of it was found in the person of Jesus Christ. He knew in that moment that he was wrestling with the only one that could really bless him. And when he was given the option, let me go, he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. I would rather die. You see, God doesn't wrestle with us to show off his strength. He wrestles to remind us of our weakness. God needs us to understand that we can't make it without him. And so we wrestle. We wrestle. Jacob could no longer fight, but he wouldn't let go of God. At some point during the fight, he realizes that he's no longer wrestling with another man or with circumstances or with bad luck. And so many of us make excuses when we're stuck in life and we blame everybody and everything. But in reality, your fight is not with anybody else. It's not with your past. It's not with your circumstances. It's not with your family. Your fight is with God. Ultimately, there's only one you have to be reconciled with, and it's God. So Jacob is in this fight. He says, I will not let go until you bless me. And then God does what God does. God asks him a question. He says, hey, I kind of like you. What's your name? And in that moment, it's the same moment we all face up. Because God doesn't ask questions he doesn't know the answer to. He asks questions because he wants us to understand the truth. God says, hey, what's your name? I heard a pastor say recently, the funny thing about people is we never learn who we really are by being told. We have to be shown. And in that moment, God was showing Jacob who he really was. He said, what's your name? And in that moment, he had to come clean. He said, my name is supplanter. My name is deceiver. My name is heel catcher. My name is Trickster. That's who I am. 
He had to come clean in that moment. And for every one of us, God will ask us, what is your name? And we have to say, my name is Sinner. I'm messed up, God. I'm messed up. And then God does what only he can do. See, Jacob couldn't swindle his way into change. And neither can you or I. It wouldn't have mattered what his father said, what happened in life. There's only one that can really change the inside of us. And in that moment, he says, no, no, no. No longer will your, will your name be supplanter. No longer will your name be deceiver. From now on, your name will be Israel, one who wrestles with God. In that moment, he blessed Jacob, and he stands ready to bless you today with the greatest blessing that anybody can ever receive. He can change your identity. He can take you from that person you've been into that person he's called you to be. Because you see, even before Jacob was born, God had a plan and told his mother, man, there are two great nations. See, God knew that through Jacob was going to come Jesus. Through his line was going to come the promise. And listen, God has a promise for you. God has a destiny for your life. And he knew it before you were even born. God knew what he was going to do through you. And the greatest blessing you can ever receive is to get unstuck in life. To answer God when he says, who are you? And say, God, I'm a sinner. I need you. And for God to change your identity. And the Bible tells us in heaven, written on the palm of his hand, God has a new name for you. Only God knows your true name. We read that after that moment, Jacob walks away with a limp. None of us are ever made whole until we're broken. And listen, your limp is your story. If you don't have a limp, you don't have a story to tell. And sometimes God has to break us before he can heal us. And I believe God wants to bring some healing to some of you today. Would you stand on your feet with me for a moment? Maybe you're watching online. I'm going to ask you, to really stop what you're doing and just take a moment with God right now. Because I believe some of us have been living in the desert. We've been stuck. We've been running from our past. But God's asking us today, what is your name? What is your name? I'm going to ask you for just a moment to bow your head and close your eyes. How do we prevail like Jacob did in our wrestling match with God. Number one, we stop fighting and we start clinging. We show God that we'd rather die than live without Him. You have an opportunity to do that right now. You see, Jesus came and the Bible tells us that the Jewish people, they knew God as King, as Creator, as Almighty. They knew Him as all these things. But they didn't know him as father. And Jesus comes and he says, no, no, no. He's not just God. He's just not the Almighty. He's just not. No, he's Abba, Father. He's Daddy. And no matter what you've done, no matter how stuck you feel right now, God is a Father that loves you and his arms are open wide. All you have to do is stop wrestling and start clinging. As soon as you turn towards God, He's right there 
ready, waiting for you. If that's you today and you'd like to make a decision to turn your heart, your life over to Jesus Christ right now, to put your faith in Him, if that's you, no one's looking around, this is just a moment between you and God. If you're watching online, there's a button you can click. We'll pray with you as well. If that's you, would you just lift your hand up right now? We just want to say a quick prayer with you. Amen. I see that hand. Anyone else, just let, raise your hand up right now. Amen. Amen. We're, listen, we're going to pray this prayer together. Church, let's join in together. Just say, Father God, thank you that you can change my name. You know who I really am. God, I ask you to change me right now. You died on the cross. You rose again. I put my faith in you. I ask you to make me new right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this message, we encourage you to spread the word. Share with your friends and family on social media and make sure you subscribe to hear a new message every week. Really love the message? Well, we want to hear from you. Make sure to leave us a review below. Want more Freedom House content? Follow us on Instagram at Freedom House and subscribe to Freedom House Church on YouTube. We hope you are equipped to experience all that God has for you this week, and we'll see you for our next Freedom House Church weekend message.